The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Matthew says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Aphtali, which was in fulfillment of that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sit, sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. They were in the boat with Zebedee their father, and they were mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him, followed him from Galilee from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from even beyond the Jordan. Let's pray. Grant to us, O Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without You may by You be enabled to live according to Your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Jesus begins His ministry. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. This new kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming is not the promise of life after death, but instead it's the proclamation of a dawn of a new era. Something new is happening in the world. God has done something new. He has come to redeem. The Messiah has come. It's interesting that Jesus begins this ministry, Matthew tells us, after He hears that John has been imprisoned. Now think of how crazy that might sound. This prophet of God who is baptizing people, preparing them for the kingdom, offering a baptism of repentance, he's been imprisoned, and Jesus then says, the kingdom of God is here. What do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Haven't you heard John's been imprisoned? What kind of kingdom are you talking about? 
Jesus is not promising victory over our enemies, but he's promising a new way of life that is offered in this new era that he's ushering in. Repent. Change course. Begin thinking differently because the kingdom of God is now here. Change your ways. Head in a new direction because the kingdom gates are opening wide. Jesus is then passing along. He's settled down in Capernaum in Galilee. And He's passing along the the edge of the Sea of Galilee and He sees these fishermen. Follow Me and I'll make you fishers of men. And notice the text tells us that they immediately dropped their nets and they followed Him. He's heading along. There's a couple more fishermen. They're with their father in the boat. They're mending nets. Follow Me. And they leave it all. And they follow Him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Obviously, repentance is part of the game. He declares repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But what does it mean to repent? What is that new direction in life like? It begins with a pledge to Him our loyalty first and finally. Following Jesus is to pledge Him your first and final loyalties. He's not just the most important thing in life. He's not just the most important aspect of our lives. He's not the biggest cog in the wheel. He's the wheel itself. To pledge Him your first and final loyalty. At the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, my life is lived for Christ. His priorities become my priorities. His interests become my interests. His values become my values. I will follow Him regardless of what that means. I will follow Him regardless of where that means. It's not that we become Jesus' defender. And I think that's partly what is wrong in certain segments of our, of our Christian culture. Our Christian culture is becoming increasingly post-Christian. But within the, the, the American church, we think that, it's, that we are Jesus' defender. Like we're, we're protecting His honor in some way. And so we think, that, we think that following Jesus means we stand up for Him. And we feel like if we stand up for Him via social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or you know, in online debate forums or whatever, we feel like we've done our Christian duty. Well, that's not what it means for Him to be our first and final loyalty. It means to follow Him regardless of the cost. It's not just 
protecting His name against those who would slander it. It certainly might involve that. But to pledge Him your first and final loyalty means that all of my interests in life, all of my desires in life, come under His Lordship. Whatever I might see myself becoming, or whatever, whatever I might see myself doing, or wherever I might see myself living, or whatever I might see for my future, or for my present, ultimately, I live for Him. He is my trust. And my trust is in Him. Following Jesus means to live as He says. We looked last week at the law of love and how in the church we are to be living out this new kind of kingdom life where love is the summation of the laws. Where the law of God is about Loving Him with all of who we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor is about living for them just as we would for ourselves. And so we live here as His people. As He says. Not as the world says. Not as our neighbors say. But as he says, we are like pilgrims here. We, you know, named our three-month-old baby not when he was three, but you know, when he was born, we named him Peregrine, which means pilgrim. And it reminds me, of course, of Pilgrim's Progress. But of course, we get the name from the Lord of the Rings, and you've got a, you know, you got Peregrine the Hobbit. He's kind of a, on a pilgrim's journey. But my mind goes to to the book of Hebrews where the the writer of that letter talks about the church as the people of God as being kind of on a a pilgrim's journey. We're not at home here, but yet our feet are firmly established here. But we're seeking a home that is to come, a, a home that God has built for us. We're seeking, as Augustine said, the great city of God. And we're living now as though that city has already come. Because we are but pilgrims here. And so we live as He says as we follow Him. We learn from Him. We do as Jesus said. We take His yoke upon us. He says that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. But that language of yoke was actually a rabbinical language. Those disciples He was calling, those multitudes who were following Him, they knew exactly what He meant. That the yoke of a rabbi was His teaching and it was his burden that he put on his people. Not to, not to unduly burden them, but to instruct them, to train them, to help them to understand God's Torah. And that yoke or that burden was something that was to be born in life. It was to shape the way the disciples lived. Following Jesus means to live as He says. 
Following Jesus means also to consider His people your people. It's interesting that as the church, we, the church particularly here in America, we often cast our lot in with those who, who are not in any way uh, sharing Christian values as we are. We do this in our politics and we um, ultimately find ourselves debating where do, where do we place our loyalties. Do we place them with these people who believe like we do about money? Or do we place them with these people who perhaps don't believe how we do about money? But you've got this division within the church where, where we almost consider a political party our type of people more than we do the people of God our type of people. That doesn't mean that politics aren't important. That doesn't mean that we ought not have political opinions and try to shape others' political opinions at all. But it's just interesting. Interesting observation. It's okay for me to make observations, right? You know, normally we will fight tooth and nail for someone whose values are absolutely, fundamentally different from ours because we agree with them on some other point. And we will fight tooth and nail to defend their honor, to defend them as, yeah, they may be 90% horribly bad, but look, they agree with me on this one thing. Text tells us that he's teaching in their synagogues. The synagogue was an interesting phenomena of the, uh, the first, century Christ, uh, first century Palestinian uh, Jewish world. You, you know the word synagogue and you know it's a kind of a Jewish place of gathering. Um, but it's actually a Greek word, synagoge, and it means the gathering together. It was not like a club meeting, but it was like a club meeting. They, the people in a community would gather together and there would be the, the rabbi over the synagogue and he would teach those people. But they were being called out from their community and called together to learn, to worship, to edify one another, to share life together. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And it is the called out ones. And so you've got this, this Hebrew word and this Greek word, the gathering together and the called out. And that was what shaped the early church's identity of itself. It was firmly established in, in the world, in its community, but it's being called together as the people of God for worship, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to sharpen one another, but also to share life together. To live life. In a, in a common rhythm. Jesus here is calling disciples to come, not just to come and go through a program with Him, to come and live life with one another and with Him. Follow me. Follow me. Following Jesus means to go where He goes to do what He does. Wait a minute, Pastor, you're cheating. You've put two... In one, 
you know, all the others have been singles. This is a, this is kind of a double. Why not a part point four, point five? Well, to go where he goes implies that we're doing what he does, and doing what he does implies that we have gone where he has gone. It's like our our schedule at camp. I don't know if you guys that went to camp noticed it, but on our schedule at camp, you've got the time, and then you've got the place where you're supposed to be, because that's kind of the most, the, well, that's the first thing. you got to have first things first. got to be where you're supposed to be. Then you can do what you're supposed to do. And so what we had was, you had the, you had the I'll just use this up here. You, you got your time, time where you're supposed to be somewhere, where you're supposed to be, and then in parentheses was the what you're supposed to be doing. And what you're supposed to be doing, sometimes you had options. You got the you got the time is nine o'clock. You're supposed to be at the lake. You can be fishing. You can be canoeing. You can be kayaking. You can be paddle boating. You can be doing the slip and slide. You got a variety of things there. But if you're not where you're supposed to be, then you can't do what you're supposed to be doing. And these disciples are evidently supposed to be with Jesus. And so following Him meant for them as it means for us to go where He goes and therefore do what He does. This is where obedience gets coupled together with that trust. If He is my first and final loyalty, then certainly I am faithfully following Him. I am obeying. I'm getting myself where I'm supposed to be and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. If Jesus is my first and final loyalty, but somehow I'm not obeying Him, there's some disconnect here. But this going where He goes and doing what He does kind of begs the question, does it not? Where is He going? And notice what Matthew tells us. He is going to those who are hurting. I love that Matthew tells us, Jesus calls these disciples, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, which ought to immediately imply the aspect that, or the idea that they're about to step into the lives of others. But what kind of others? Immediately they leave everything, they follow Him. And then Jesus went into, into all Galilee, Teaching in their synagogues. We say, oh, that's good. He's getting together to, to have some, some lecture series and some, some Bible study. Preaching the gospel. Amen. He's preaching the gospel. Healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. His fame is spreading. And they're bringing him sick people afflicted with various diseases. They're, they're enduring torments. They're demon-possessed. They're epilept, epileptics, paralytics. And he's healing them. So where's Jesus going? He's going to those who are hurting. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. God's rule and reign is here. And God is here to transform your life. think Dennis Kinlaw said, find out what Jesus is up to and join Him. 
You want to know what to do as a Christian? Figure out what in the world Jesus is doing in and around your life and roll up your sleeves and get to work. We call it kingdom work. Working for the king. We may not like, though, going to those who are hurting. We quite like having our lives nice and tidy. We like having our plans put together and followed through with impeccable execution. We like knowing what to expect. We like comfort. And hurting people make us uncomfortable. One of the most uncomfortable places you can be is in a funeral home. Because there's real hurt there. One of the most uncomfortable places you can be is probably in the living room of someone who's just been left by their spouse. Because there's hurt there. One of the most uncomfortable conversations you could ever have is with a parent whose child's just been diagnosed with something life-threatening. But that's where Jesus is. He's in the midst of hurt. He's in the midst of tragedy. He's in the midst of life's disappointments. And while we're standing far off, you can imagine Him shouting to us, Come follow me. Jesus said, If any man wishes to be my disciple... Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Because to go to those who are hurting is ultimately to go to the cross. I say ultimately, not in the sense of to finally go to the cross, but to supremely go to the cross. Because to go to the cross means to deny yourself means to die to yourself. To step into the life of someone who's hurting and to hurt with them requires a death on our part. To say, yes, Jesus, we'll leave everything. We'll drop our nets. We'll leave our dad. We'll leave our livelihood. And we'll go wherever you tell us. That requires a death. these disciples would never be the same again. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his Cost of Discipleship said this. It's a fairly lengthy paragraph. I want to read it to you even though that's not typically uh, the best thing to do in, in, a, in a sermon. He said, The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with His death. 
We give over our lives to death. Thus, it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow Him, or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man to his call. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is at hand. He said, follow me. And he stepped into suffering and he stepped into the lives of others. We follow him with the steps that we take. Will we say, Yes, Lord? Will we surrender our wants and our wishes in order to follow him? we surrender our lives to Him? Ultimately, His call is very simple. Follow me. Let's pray. Father, we bow ourselves before You